Because I care about your bones, I'm going to invite you to remain seated. Uh, because as has been a theme throughout Lent, this is a long gospel. From John. There was a certain man who was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. During that time, Lazarus died. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may come to believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the good news. The story, the raising of Lazarus, is a fairly well-known one. 
And it's especially powerful as a turning point in the Gospel of John. It marks a change in Jesus' proclamation about himself and his own identity and his disciples' understanding of the same. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus uses these I am statements to share more about his identity and his mission. And up until this point, they've been sort of metaphorical things about himself, like I am the bread of life in chapter six, or I am the light of the world in chapter eight, or I am the good shepherd in chapter 10. In this story though, Jesus' identity becomes more clear as he declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Now we can see that Jesus can change life itself and offers the world something most profound. And alongside this, the story is the first time in John that someone else outside of Jesus finally gets the bigger picture, giving readers a sort of aha moment about Jesus. In the other three gospels, it's Peter who does this, but in this one, it's Martha. Because in John's gospel, women play crucial roles in proclaiming the good news. Martha says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And this confession of faith marks a turning point, a change in tone for the story. Now these key turning points in the narrative are really important, which is why I shared them briefly, but this morning what I really wanna lift up are a couple of other key themes. First is Jesus' deep love for Lazarus and Mary and Martha. It came up multiple times in the story. We hear at the beginning, the sisters send a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. What an identifier. Not Lazarus is ill, not our brother is ill, the one whom you love. Oh my goodness, who wouldn't want that as their title? The one whom Jesus loves. Then it says, though Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed two days longer where he was. And later as Jesus approaches the tomb, the Jews notice his emotions saying, see how he loved him. See how he loved him indeed. Jesus did what he did because he loved them fiercely, deeply. And I'm not just talking about the way he mourned Lazarus or even raising Lazarus from the dead, but showing up at all. Because coming to Judea was dangerous for Jesus. The religious leaders there were trying to kill him. And in fact, being there, being so close to Jerusalem would eventually lead to his arrest and execution. But fear was not stronger than his love. And it's not just those three. See how he loves all of us. We'll hear it again next Friday from the cross. Jesus again heads head first into danger because of love, because of those whom Jesus loves. He whom Jesus loves is suffering and needs the comfort of knowing that Jesus can sit in suffering with him. She whom Jesus loves is oppressed and needs Jesus' justice. Those whom Jesus love are lost in the competitiveness of this world and need Jesus to show them a better way. The authorities didn't want Jesus doing any of that work because it attracted followers away from them and so it was dangerous for Jesus to love so boldly. And he did it anyway. See how he loves us. See how he loves you. Another theme has to do with Jesus' willingness to feel his feels. Not only did he love out loud, he did it all out loud. 
The text says twice that Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit, that he was deeply moved, and that he wept. Scholars have a lot to say on why this was. Some think that he was sad about Lazarus' death. Some think he was just angry at the existence of death at all in the world. Some say he was empathetic to Mary and Martha's grief. Others say that he was frustrated and heartbroken at the crowd's lack of belief. And ultimately, I'm not sure that it matters why he felt what he felt so much as it matters that he felt what he felt. Jesus didn't suppress or feel ashamed of his feelings. He expressed them and moved through them. And that in and of itself, I think, is a really powerful message to the human experience. In confirmation class lately, I've been highlighting times in scripture that faithful people shared big feelings of all kinds, sadness and rage and fear, sometimes even at God. Letting our middle schoolers know that these feelings are a gift from God that they serve us well when we acknowledge them instead of seeing them as some nuisance that we can or should somehow be able to control or turn off. It's okay, in fact, it appears to be divine to be sad or furious or both when we see so much pain and suffering around and within us. When we see a brutal ongoing war in Ukraine when we see almost daily shootings in our schools and elsewhere, extreme cyberbullying, a mental health crisis in all ages, including young children, an opioid epidemic, a dying planet, poverty, hunger, racism, ageism, sexism, classism, ableism, xenophobia, homophobia, we should be feeling a lot of feelings. We have every right to weep and to cry out, and we can trust that Jesus is grieving and railing with us. And we can remember that Jesus felt his feelings and then did something healthy with them. In this case, raising Lazarus from the dead. We can trust that God is up to something at the edge of all those places of death and that we're invited to be part of that work. Because the third theme I want to lift up is that while we are not Jesus and we do not have the power to raise the dead, we do have a role to play. After raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus commanded the community to unbind him from his grave clothes. Were his hands broken? I'm sorry, Jesus did like 99%. He did all the heavy lifting to bring Lazarus back from the dead. Why not just finish the job or like, I don't know, like poof and all the grave clothes are gone. Jesus involved the community on purpose because a new life isn't full life without connection and belonging. It was crucial for the people to help bring Lazarus fully back into community, back into their shared life. We have to be at work together along with the power of God to bring life to one another, to help loosen the bonds that try to keep us in death. So the thing that causes your heart to break in the world, the thing that stirs up righteous anger in you, that is likely the place in the world where God is calling you to take action, to step up, to work for justice, to create healthy and safe community so that people who have been experiencing death can thrive in full life together with belonging and connection. Unbind those whom I love. Jesus says, as he's already ahead of us, 
rolling stones back from tombs even when it seems impossible. Which is the last theme. I think in our world today, it's so easy for many of us to to look around and throw our hands up and decide, this is just too much, and give up the work for justice and change in this life, waiting just instead on a rescue to the afterlife. This story gives us a reason to believe otherwise as does Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones. That reading, Ezekiel, was written during exile. The Israelites' identity as God's chosen people came from two things. One, living in the land that had been promised to them, and two, worshiping at the Jerusalem temple, their understood location of relating to and feeling God's presence. And with the Assyrian and the Babylonian takeovers, the temple had been decimated and the people had been exiled out to other lands. Their identity markers were lost and they didn't know who or whose they were. All hope seemed lost for their future. If anybody had reason to despair and sink into helplessness, it was the exiled Israelites. Enter Ezekiel's vision. God showed Ezekiel a valley filled with dry bones and told him to speak God's truth to the bones to bring them to life. And as Ezekiel did so, the bones began to rattle and then join back together and then muscle and tissue and flesh began to cover them. And then the wind, the wind as we know in scripture is God's spirit, God's breath entered them and they stood up full of life. God gave Ezekiel this vision to share with the Israelites as a sign of hope that maybe, just maybe, life wasn't over. That God was getting ready to do a new thing, to bring them home, to give them their identity back. It's easy for us to give up hope, but again and again, Scripture shows us a God who desires to bring life now. Salvation in Scripture is a current and ongoing event, not just this future gift. Salvation means that God is rescuing us daily so that every single time we wake up, we can find identity and fullness of life. After all, Lazarus was raised back to a life he would lose again, right? It wasn't so much a resurrection as it was a resuscitation. Jesus knew that he would die again and he brought him back anyway because Jesus keeps bringing us life over and over, doing something new, doing something hopeful. God breathes into us something that takes us in a new direction, that joins us together as a community with a purpose and a future. God is at work at this all the time, but what I hear from Ezekiel and Lazarus is that maybe we're perhaps best positioned to see it, or maybe we're only looking for that work when all hope seems lost. The bones in Ezekiel's vision weren't just bones, they were dry bones. Dry and done. Life was far in the rearview mirror, and Lazarus wasn't just dead, he was very dead. Jewish understanding in the day was that a spirit kind of hovered near a body for three days after death. And when did Jesus show up? On the fourth day, on purpose. Lazarus was officially beyond hope. When we have reached the end of the rope and all that lies ahead is death, look around and see where God is bringing life. When we have fought the good fight and see only despair, look around and see where God might be offering a spark of hope. 
God doesn't just do amazing works. God does the impossible. Because God will never, ever, ever give up on us or this world which God loves so fiercely. God refuses to leave us in our tombs or our valleys, our piles of bones, bringing us new life each and every day, even when death seems to have won, even when despair seems to be our only companion. In God's kingdom, there's always room for hope. There's always room for surprise. After all, Easter is coming, isn't it, friends? Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for the work of Jesus that shows up when we have lost all our hope. We thank you for the way you breathe life into our bodies when we can't find it anywhere else. You are our hope. You are the resurrection and the life. Help us to look to you for this life and help us to run and unbind one another from the death clothes that threaten to hold us back. You are with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.